What's up, girls, guys, gays, and ladies? I'm Beth. And I'm TJ. Grab your bottle of wine and put your lawyer on speed dial. This is Nightmare on <laughs> Girls Night. Sunday Scaries Edition! <laughs> we are all oh gone. Yeah. We also, um, Beth is back from the vid. I don't have the vid anymore. Or laryngitis. Or laryngitis. Yeah, yeah she really sorry. went through it. Sorry, y'all. Yeah, whoops. We're, we're back. Well, she was also in Mexico. Yeah. With laryngitis. And COVID. Yeah. Well. Unfortunate. Don't tell no anybody. <laughs> As we out you on the podcast. Everybody that I talked to mm. was like, and they let you so, back into the country. Yeah. And I was like, that doesn't exist anymore. No, it doesn't. And you didn't know you had COVID until you got home. You yeah. knew you had laryngitis. But that's, yeah. that's neither. You got to get home. It's expensive to see a doctor uh, in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry for the missed week. Mm. Bad start to 2024. Getting but, the vid. But now you're like a new you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all new uphill cells, from here. New me. Yeah, it's all but uphill from here. But I do want to say something that I don't even know if you know. <gasps> okay. In nine days, mm-hmm. it's been one year since we started this podcast. Shut up. Yeah. Oh my God. We should do a one year celebration Absolutely. or something. Absolutely. Like a giveaway or something. Oh my I God. I don't know. No, we don't make enough money like, to have, do that. We have no money. <laughs> we will give a shout out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, one year. That's crazy. I'm so proud of us. What was the date we first released? Um, February 1st. Damn. I know. Oh my God. And only like four years in the making. And 27,000 bottles of wine. Uh-huh. Yeah. We do you remember it. those prepping days? I do. Yeah. Chaos. Chaos. You think this is chaos? No. <laughs> yeah. Weeknight chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Anyway, oh, look at that. Pat us on the back. High Woo. five. That was, that was sad. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Anyways, this is Sunday Scaries. Yes. Where we talk about all things spooky mm-hmm. and paranormal. And today's topic is... Well, before you... Oh. It's going to be in the title, so they already yeah, know. Yeah, true. Well. But I'm going to read a couple of things. Okay. And they then we'll see if they can guess before okay. we say it. So, this creature is often described as a large ape-like being. Oh, I wonder. I wonder what it is. <laughs> Sightings of this cryptid are frequently reported in dense wooded areas. Mm. Despite numerous reported sightings, there is no conclusive scientific evidence of its existence. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what it is? Oh, that actually sounds nice. It's Bigfoot! <laughs> so lame. Jesus. I love us. <laughs> no, do you believe in Bigfoot? Yes. Okay, same. 100%. 100%. Because of where we live in the Rocky Mountains and driving like to Vancouver, mm-hmm. seeing the expanse of wilderness yeah. that has probably been untouched, mm-hmm. there's no way that there's not Bigfoot. Well, yeah, this goes to the whole, I also believe there's just so much out there that we don't know oh, about yeah. and we haven't seen. And so the fact that, like, because people always say, oh, well, they would have been seen by now. I'm like, do you know how much shit we haven't seen by mm-hmm. now? Like, a lot. Mm-hmm. Take and the I, ocean, for example. I was just going to say the ocean. Right? The aliens live at the bottom of the uh, ocean. 100%. That's for a different episode. Yes. 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 But I agree. I 100% think it's, think it's true. Yep. And... I have some facts. Wait, hold on. 
Do you have anything we need to update, talk about? Not for Sunday scary. Okay, I don't think... Let me check. No, well, besides Vanderpump is in a week. <sighs> in a week? Today. Yeah, 30th. Yeah. Yes, season 11. Can't I am wait. so excited. Have you listened to... Um, Rachel's stupid fucking podcast. No. It's called Rachel Goes Rogue. Oh, does she? Yeah, right? Isn't that like why? I can't. Anyways, I've listened to both just because I was super curious what she would say. And she's annoying as shit, but also the stuff she's telling is shit that I hadn't heard before. Oh my God. Like there's so much that comes out that like Tom Schwartz knew from the first time they hooked up in the hot tub. Like, he knew from the very beginning. And, oh, my God, there's just so much shit they talk about. She's really irritating. Here's the thing. I don't want to give her the listen, but Mm, I want to know the tea. I know. I know. That's what, because Dana and Katie started a podcast called Disrespectfully. Okay. And they said the same thing. They're like, we stumble across shit, like, online and... It'd be interesting to know what she says, but they don't want to give her yeah. the time of day. Yeah. Which, like, uh, same. But I'm just a curious ass bitch. <laughs> that's why. So I listened. It's okay. And then... No, that's it. No, actually, because it is on the theme of spooky, we watched Talk To Me finally. Oh my god, I forgot. Right? Okay. It was so good. It totally lived up to the standards because so we good. had been waiting for months and months mm-hmm. and months. Mm-hmm. So good. I give it a five star. 100%. It was so good. It was. Acting was good. Yep. Storyline was good. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to find a good scary movie. A24 just does it good every time. I did not know it was A24? Oh, cool. A24 has done Hereditary. Oh, my God. That one scarred me. Um. Oh, God. What else? Midsummer's. I was just going to ask if they did Midsummer. Yeah. That one, mm-hmm. both of those actually really fucked me up. Yep. Yeah, I love a good fucked up movie. Yeah, we're fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was good. Anyways, I thought I'd put that out there love because that. we've been talking about it. We have. <clears throat> okay. Give me your facts. My facts. Give me okay. your facts. So... In Canada, Sasquatch sightings go back as far as the 1800s when prospectors and miners from the Klondike Gold Rush in the Yukon told stories of wild ape men. Did not know that. Did you? Do you remember? Do you remember? The episode where I just said prospectors. (laughs) Shit, that was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Prospectors. I did forget that. In British Columbia, over 200 Sasquatch sightings have been reported in the area of Harrison Hot Springs, Pitt Lake, Whistler, Squamish, Hope, Mission, and on Vancouver Island. Crazy. I know we could visit all these places. Uh-huh. We should visit all these places. People have also reported hearing the Sasquatch making high-pitched screams and howling at night across BC, mm-hmm. which goes with one of my stories today. Uh-oh. So, five facts. Okay. The most common misconception about Bigfoot is that there's only one of them, like Nessie and the Loch Ness. The vast majority of Bigfoot enthusiasts believe that there exists a self-perpetuating species of bipedal ape residing in North America. So many species, not just like one species oh. of Bigfoot. Cousin species, species <laughs> likely reside in Nepal, such as the Abominable Snowman, in China, such as the Yeti, mm. Australia, such as the Yowie, and then many others in many other countries. So it's an international phenomenon. Okay. The Yeti is so cool. I was going to ask, Yeti and Abominable Snowman. Yeah. I thought they were used interchangeably. Right? Like what, but maybe it's that's what they're called in okay. their respective areas. Okay. I don't know. Because you think about, like, was it in... 
Russia where that like group of hikers Ooh. and the tents were like ripped apart and gotta, they oh my god that we gotta, we gotta, do gotta that talk one. about that one um, that could be a Sunday scaries because it's I guess scary. it's like we call it Bigfoot or Sas- Sasquatch 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 that was really hard for me to say <laughs> same same <laughs> yeah um, as recently as 300,000 years ago there exists skeletal evidence of a species of massive apes called Gigantopithecus blackie. Said to originally inhabit Western Asia, many Bigfoot enthusiasts believe that these large apes are still around or are ancestors of the modern Bigfoot. These apes were supposedly up to nine feet tall and due to the shape of the jawbone, likely walked upright like humans. Mm. I didn't know that had anything to do with the shape of the jawbone, but that's interesting. Yeah. Um, This is a stat from the States, but they're an average of over 400 reported sightings each year. Based on these reports, big feet, which is so funny to say, big feet can be characterized as follows. Walk upright up to eight or nine feet tall, covered in black, brown, red fur all over their bodies except the face, palms, and soles. Secrete a foul smell reminiscent mm. of feces or rotting flesh, which mm-hmm. I hate the word secrete. I don't know why. I know. Nocturnal behavior, omnivorous diet, marked intelligence and senses of smell, vision, and hearing, and extremely cautious behavior around humans. Hunters reportedly see these animals on occasion, but tend to hold their fur, hold their fire due to the creature's human-esque appearance and frightening stature, which has come up in a lot of the stories I heard is like, it's hunters and they have their rifles out, but they look so Mm human-like that they don't want to shoot. Yeah. Um, The most numerous example of physical evidence are footprint castings, typically discovered by hunters and backpackers in remote regions. These footprints bear strikingly biological characteristics. The stride length, heel to heel, between prints is usually four to five feet. Jesus. I know. And the depth of the prints denotes a specimen weighing 600 to 700 pounds. That's a big boy or girl. Large and in charge. Yeah. And then one thing I came across, uh, one of the Bigfoot research professionals, I don't know, is that what you would call it? A Um, a Bigfooter. A Bigfooter. I don't know. Someone asked them, like, well, why haven't we found one yet? Like a a dead one or, like, the body of one, whatever. Yeah. And so he answered it. And because I agree, you Mm -hmm. you get, you're like, you would think we'd stumble across a carcass or something. But Mm -hmm. he says, big feet tend to live in very dense old growth forests. This type of habitat suits their shy, skittish behavior. And it makes them finding finding the corpses of any animals difficult, Mm -hmm. which, true. Mm-hmm. Many animals find a lonely, isolated place when they know they're about to die. Some animals find caves. Others hide under vegetation or rotten tree stumps. Other animals actually eat their dead. Large dead animals don't usually appear on well-hiked trails. How often do you find yourself stumbling upon a black bear carcass that mm-hmm. died from natural causes? Mm-hmm. So to put it into perspective, there are 650,000 black bear in North America and supposedly only 2,000 to 6,000 big feet. So, yeah, makes sense. I was going to say... I was thinking about wolves because yeah they live here, but we never, never. see them. Same with and, cougars. Yeah, and the amount of times we've been in the backcountry or hiking, mm-hmm. I've never ever come across no. a carcass of either of those animals. No, no, and there's like hundreds of thousands exactly. of them in and, smaller areas. Yeah. So yeah, so and like it we makes said, sense. there's so much untouched area that we totally. haven't seen. Yeah, you think of like the landscape of Canada, and there's like. I don't, I'm not even going to throw out the statistic, but majority of the landscape hasn't been touched mm-hmm. by human mm-hmm. beings. It's shocking. Canada's what huge. lives out there? It, in Stamps creepy Stamps. ways. Like, not just animals, but, like, oh, what yeah. lives out there? Oh, my God. The TikTok you sent me. 
of oh. the like what do they call the mountain people or it's like oh what did you say it was hills, like? have, hills eyes. have eyes totally i don't know if that was real or oh. not but it gave me the heebie-jeebies i hated it because now every time i go into the back country i'm going to be thinking that i'm being watched. uh-huh well i already think that true from the yeah i don't the thought of being hunted mm. or chased is my nightmare because i think we talked about i would just sit mm-hmm. down and be like take me the walkers of the skin kind yeah yeah the walkers of the skin kind. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's my facts i love that Thank you for you taking that on. So welcome. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. You mentioned the Harrison River Valley. Okay. So Harrison River Valley, southwestern BC, like you said, lots of sightings in that area, but there's a visitor center and now museum. Oh. From um, a man named Bill Miller. He's like a- of the Bigfoot kind? Yeah. Damn. So he's a self-proclaimed Sasquatch hunter. Mm. He stumbled upon the legendary creature not once but twice, he says. Okay. His first encounter took place in 1980 in northern Minnesota, but he saw his second one in the Harrison Valley. Okay. Um, And now all of the things that he's like kept like castings Mm -hmm. of feet is now in this museum. (gasps) We should go. That's not too far from us. It's not. It really isn't. And one more thing I wanted to add was the first known footage mm-hmm. of Bigfoot, which if you think about Bigfoot, you think of the photo of them yes, walking like this. Like walking. That's from 1967, and yeah. it's the Patterson-Gimlin film, um, oh. which was shot off the banks of Bluff Creek in Northern California. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know it was like from the 60s. I did not either. Yeah. But that's like, everyone can picture that Absolutely. exact image. Yeah. It's like exactly what you think of when you think 100%. of Bigfoot. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to talk about Albert Ostman's abduction. Okay. So both of my stories are in Canada. Because it seems like that's where most of the encounters occur. Yeah. I think what I read was BC has the highest number Mm -hmm. of encounters in all of Canada. Yeah. Okay. Because when I went on this site, it it like showed a map of North America. And you could click on any state or any province yeah and then it would bring up all the encounters and bc had so many uh-huh. and i clicked places like mountainous regions all across the states and none of them had near as many as yeah. bc did it's Wild. i wonder yeah it's they crazy. like it up here we're they just do nice. we're just so hospitable we're just so nice <laughs> anyways our tale begins as albert osman begins his travels yearning for a respite after a year of hard construction work he sets his sights on the fabled lost gold mountains of the toba inlet in british columbia which is veiled in mystery and whispers of Sasquatch. Mm. This becomes the backdrop for his extraordinary adventure. He takes a Union steamboat to Lund, BC, where his quest takes an unexpected turn. Guided by an old indigenous man, he listens to the legends of gold and Sasquatch, creatures believed to be part of the very mountains surrounding them. The old man, a talkative guide, shares tales of a white man's encounter with the elusive Sasquatch and how he met his mysterious end. Unfazed by the supernatural twist, our prospector, Albert, prospector, <laughs> prospector, sets up camp at the head of Toba Inlet, unaware that destiny lurks just beyond the trees. Mm. Armed with a Winchester rifle and a homemade prospecting pick, Albert starts his ascent into the mountains. The beauty of the landscape masks the impending mystery and a sense of foreboding fills the air. As he rests near a rock bluff, Albert becomes an unwilling participant in a Sasquatch rendezvous. Oh, a rendezvous. A rendezvous. 
kidnapped and carried by the creature. He finds himself in a hidden valley surrounded by Sasquatch, human-like beings covered in hair. Oh, God. His observations revealed their peculiar habits, a diet of sweet roots, and certain human-like quality. The Sasquatch family, with an old man, an old lady, and two younger ones, assuming kids. As you said, it's not just one. One, yeah. Um, Challenges Albert's perception of the natural world. Faced with a conundrum, Albert devises a daring plan. Armed with snuff. Do you know what snuff is? No. It's like tobacco powder that you snort. Oh, okay. And it was a way of consuming tobacco. You can still get it in the States. Wow. He incapacitates the old Sasquatch momentarily, uttering a guttural sound prompting the entire Sasquatch family to gather in confusion. Albert, with his heart pounding, moves with the swiftness of a shadow, using every inch of cover provided by the ancient forest. Just as he believes he's out of the woods, quite literally, a distant roar signals the alarm. The Sasquatch family, realizing their captive is escaping, erupts into a frenzy of guttural roars and thunderous footsteps. The chase is on. Oh, God. The forest becomes a labyrinth of uncertainty, with Albert navigating through dense underbrush, leaping over fallen trees, and skirting the edges of cliffs. The Sasquatch, with a mixture of anger and confusion, follows in pursuit, their otherworldly calls reverberating through the ancient trees. I hate the sounds. I hate it. Yeah. Albert's breath comes in ragged gasps as he narrowly avoids a collision with a towering cedar. The Sasquatch, relentless in their pursuit, get dangerously close, their massive forms weaving through the shadows. Just when it seems like he's cornered, Albert spots a rocky outcrop ahead, a precarious path leading upwards. With sheer determination, he ascends, every step fueling the fear of capture and the adrenaline of survival. At the summit, with the valley floor below, Albert faces a breathtaking dilemma. The Sasquatch are closing in, their haunting calls echoing through the night. It's a leap of faith as he gazes at the expanse, calculating the risks and rewards. What would you do? Would you jump? I don't even know. Both are terrible ways to die. Uh Uh-huh. Well, that's assuming that the Sasquatch wanted to kill Well, the fact... In his story, it was like he was camping beside right, them. Right, And they were, like, holding him, him captive. Right, like, not letting him leave. Exactly. Yeah. With a burst of courage, he takes the leap, a heart-stopping descent that leaves him breathless. The Sasquatch, unable to follow, watches in confusion from above as he disappears into the shadows below. Oh, God. Miraculously, landing on a thick bed of moss, Albert emerges from the shadows, battered and bruised, but alive. Jeez. The Sasquatch calls fade into the distance as he finds his way back to the more familiar landscapes, leaving behind the valley of enigmatic beings. Ugh. Reuniting with loggers and resuming his journey, Albert keeps the extraordinary encounter with the Sasquatch as a guarded secret, weaving a tale of being lost while prospecting. No. Do you think they're, like, do you think they're dangerous? Like, do you think they would... No. I mean, that statistic I read said omnivores, so both, but... I don't see them eating, well, there are a lot of missing people, but it all points to their reaction to humans has always been fear, as if we're the predator and they're the prey. Yeah. So I don't see them, I don't know. I I don't know. Right? I don't know. Oof. But they don't, yeah, they don't seem to be the predator in our situation. It's like, with any animal, people say they're more scared of you than you are of them. Yeah. And I wonder if it's the same case for Sasquatch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still wouldn't want to be no. in the community. In the of community? One. Of one. In the community. Of them. 
of them. Oh God. Them. Him. Her. He, he, gay. Hey. Gay. Hey. Days. No, thank you. All right. Okay. Bring it on. This one is Port Hardy, British Columbia. Summer of 2004. This is written by... Oh, it doesn't say their name. Anyways, it's written from a first-person perspective. So, they say, I'm Inuit living in the general vicinity of Port Hardy on the northern tip of Vancouver Island. Before this, I lived on Prince Rupert Island. I wasn't sure where to report this and didn't want any ridicule from people who don't believe in Sasquatch. So, perhaps you can assist me. They wrote into this online encounters forum where that map was Mm -hmm. so it says a friend and i went up to catch the big salmon run in rivers inlet in july 2004 we drove up to port hardy then took a float plane to dawson's landing where a friend of his has a large boat where we would stay for a week we took a smaller boat into the inlet one foggy morning while cruising we saw what we thought was a bear by the edge of the water we were about 150 meters away and cut the engine so we wouldn't scare it Let me say that there is no hint of civilization anywhere near there at all. Just the occasional fisherman in a boat, but that's about it. We were just drifting towards shore, and when we got to about 30 meters from the animal, it stood up, and it was definitely not a bear. It looked like a cross between an ape and a tall man. I joked that it was a hungover, unshaven Dave Semenko, who's (laughs) a former defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers and a favorite of mine. This is what they said. The creature, and I will call it a Sasquatch now that I know they exist, watched us without appearing scared. As you know, there are no brakes on a boat and we continued to drift towards him until we got to about 15 meters from shore when my friend panicked and started the engine. He feared we would run aground at the feet of the Sasquatch. It had been standing ankle deep in the water and jumped quickly about two meters up the bank when the engine kicked over, but it didn't run away. My friend reversed the boat, then cut the engine again when we were well clear of the shore, about 30 meters out. The Sasquatch made a whistling sound, then grunted. It picked up a branch and started beating the dirt and shallow water within it. It kind of roared, for lack of a better word, then threw the stick, and it landed in the water a few meters, perhaps four from shore. And as quick as can be, it ducked up behind a tree and was gone. We didn't hear it moving and thought it might still be standing still, but we could see nothing. We waited for about 10 minutes, then decided that the show was over. Our total time watching each other was less than five minutes, though it seemed way longer. It was a dark brown in color with hair all over, except for its hands and face. The face and hands appeared black and almost leathery. I would guess the hair was 10 to 12 centimeters in length. It was large, I would guess 2.5 meters tall, and easily 180 kilograms in weight, likely more. Hard to say when you're experiencing something like this. The massive shoulders gave no indication of a visible neck. It was as though the head was one with the torso. Mm -hmm. We told a friend of this, of his, about the encounter, and his friend said that his father had seen a Sasquatch three times. Once inland from Bella Coola and twice in our general vicinity, which Bella Coola actually comes up a few times Mm -hmm. in that map as well. Jay's been there. Yeah. A couple times. Yeah. And it's like dense, remote forest. Yeah. You're, you're not close to anything. Yeah. So they just finished by saying, I'll tell you how I felt, and it's a little difficult to describe. Essentially, I made a hole in one four years ago, and I felt giddy and blessed at the same time, knowing that the powers had been chosen for me, but I also knew it was a stroke of luck that defies logic or reason. And after reflecting on our encounter, I felt very much the same as that. So, yeah. I mean, thank God you're in a boat, but still, I don't even know what I would do. I I don't even know what I would do. So would I. I would have said something. Right? (laughs) Hello! (laughs) What are you doing? What's up, girl, guy, gay, are they? (laughs) 
Okay, I have another one. It's short. Okay. Um, it's by Alex Michael, um, and it was also written in, so it's in first person, and she titled it Late at Night. My family has always been notorious for doing things at odd hours, and as you may well know, the strangest always happens late at night. It was an unusually warm autumn some years ago, and at 16 years of age, I had just finished a summer job as an arts and crafts camp counselor. Ooh, the only I know. Actually, not at all. That's my nightmare. You love kids. (laughs) What are you talking about? The only thing left to do was pick up a rather large trunk filled with my belongings. Unable to fit such a large trunk inside the VW Beetle I had just purchased a few weeks before, my mother had volunteered to transport it back from the mountains back to the city in the larger of the family cars. Summer camp was a very wild place for me, with staff partying every night until the wee hours of the morning. Summer camp? Oh my god. You're 16. You should be staying up. Counselors. My room was near the entrance of the staff residence where all these parties took place. By late July, sleep-deprived party wimps like myself were weeded out. So I built a single mattress-sized platform in the woods and then covered it with polyplastic. It was a 15-minute walk through the dense forest to get there from the residence or the road. Bow Valley Provincial Park, an undisturbed protected forest, was only Mm. a stone's throw away. It is there that my mother, a small dog named Willow... And myself were going to retrieve my trunk at three o'clock on a Monday morning. Why? Yeah. She says, why three in the morning? <laughs> I could I could say it was the heat, but it was mostly because my father had not yet been told the car would be leaving town. There was also my adolescent fear that knowledge of the platform construction would somehow reflect itself in a summer paycheck I had not yet received. My mother had to be at work by 6.30, so we had less than an hour to complete this covert action. As we approached the highway turnoff, a sliver of the moon casting a glowing border around the southwestern Alberta's Mount Yamnuska. Oh. Driving several miles along the gravel road, the camp looked deserted. Summer staff had cleared out several weeks before, and a handful of permanent staff were either taking days off in the city or asleep in cabins several miles from the summer campsite. Angling off on the side of the road, my mother left the headlights on, pointing into the trees. There was some discussion about taking the 20-pound dog named Willow for protection. (laughs) Oh my. Well, it is the little ones that you would want. However, Willow's track record for wandering off severely threatened a successful completion of the mission. Plus, very uncharacteristically, the dog named Willow refused to get out of the car and was now partially Mm. hidden under the driver's seat. I probably wouldn't have gotten out of the car. (laughs) Car headlights were of no value after the first few seconds of meandering through the forest. We had a flashlight, but I had I was having difficulty remembering the exact location. The 15-minute walk turned into a 30-minute skin-scraping bushwhack, and we finally arrived at the isolated platform, even though the flashlight batteries were now dead. No! Um, no thanks. I assured my mother all that needed to be done was to take down the polyplastic rain cover and carry back a mattress and the trunk. It should only take two trips. She was noticeably silent as we began working in the darkness. My mother began untying strings, securing the poly to the ground, and I was kneeling on the top of the four-foot-high platform, stretching up to reach some tangled binder twine knots tied to a tree. A pungent smell suddenly flooded the air. My eyes moved from the knots to the tall length of plastic. There, distorted through the semi-transparent poly, was a huge shadow... Only no. about seven feet away. Oh my god. <laughs> no. It's already dark. <clears throat> yeah, I hate it. 
With the four-foot platform and me kneeling on top, the creature was easily at eye level. A split second later, there was an incredibly loud screaming roar. Although I know of nothing to describe it, the sound was like a peacock scream, a bear growl, and a lion roar all somehow combined. Yeah, that's horrifying. I can't tell you if I screamed. I can't tell you much of anything other than my eyes continued to peer through the plastic at this massive shadow. My five-foot, three-inch tall mother had somehow (laughs) leaped into the air and was now up on the platform beside me. Oh, my God. Whatever it was finally turned and walked slowly away on its long hind feet. We continued watching as each heavy step could be heard contracting the ground. There were no visible ears, just a sparse, quote, mohawk-like fringe sprouting up from the tapering of the long creature's head. From behind, the upper body appeared massive. It continued to walk upright until disappearing into the trees. We stayed on top of the platform motionless for some time after. Then finally I started ripping down the plastic. I have no idea what my mother did during the next 40 or 50 seconds, but my next memory was power walking through the forest, balancing a single mattress on top of my head with one hand and carrying the handle of the trunk in the other. Oh my god, I would have left all that shit Uh behind. I would have been gone. Yeah. I assumed my mother was holding on to the other end of the trunk. With Willow still hidden under the driver's seat, it was a very quiet drive home. Late at night, they say your mind can play tricks on you, but I am so certain. Brown bears had been in the area that summer, but I have never seen a bear walk upright that smoothly or for that long a time. Usually black bears, when they go on their hind legs, it's just to get up. And it's wobbly as shit. Exactly. Yeah. Their whole equilibrium is off. Yeah. Uh, or could it have been a very large, long-furred man standing over seven feet in height? Still horrifying. <laughs> I say man because... Lurking in the shadows. Right? Intuition tells me that the creature was a male. Could it have been a Sasquatch that night? I will never really know, but for sure you can bet I will keep telling the story as if it were. That's horrifying. And 100%. It is not... Okay, and again, yeah, if it's a hairy man lurking in it's the shadows, it's still fucking weird. It's a Sasquatch. It's a Sasquatch. Your I poor don't like mother. That. I would have left all that shit uh-huh. behind, though. Also, how could you not say anything on the way home? Um, I'd be right? like, what the fuck is yeah, that? I'd literally be calling someone. Uh-huh. No, I don't I like would, that at I all. I would not stop speaking. Okay, have you watched Missing 411? I no. think we've talked about... Okay, so you need to because in Missing 411, well, one of them, they talk about the Sierra camp. Okay. And the sounds that come from the Sierra camp and the documentary is so fucking good. I've watched it so many times because this is one of the pieces of it that I found so intriguing. So I'm going to read a little bit about it and then I'm going to try to play the sounds. Okay. So we'll see. So the Sierra sounds are a collection of bizarre vocalizations. Many believed to be actual recordings of a Sasquatch Mm. recorded over the course of several years in an unknown remote deer hunters camp between Lake Tahoe and Yosemite national park. The Sierra Sounds collection is an essential pillar of not only Bigfoot sound evidence, but for proof of these creatures as a whole. So, a little background. In 1971, Ron Moorhead worked as a hospitality manager and church board administrator in Merced, California. One fateful week, Ron learned that a family friend and fellow church board member was two days late returning from a high Sierra's hunting trip. The man's wife explained to Ron that his hunting troop encountered mysterious creatures that made horrific, intimidating sounds and left five toad prints around their camp. Mm. One of the men even fled the site in terror. A known explorer, adventurer, and trusted friend, the man asked Ron to return with him to the area and collect evidence. 
Soon thereafter, Ron trekked into the wilderness with a small group that included the hunter friend and Sacramento journalist Alan Berry. The first trip yielded no results other than fragments of perceived toe prints in sand, but the follow-up adventure was much more eventful. On this trip, once they reached the remote deer hunter's camp, it didn't take long for the mysterious beings to arrive from a nearby ridgetop. Though they evaded sight stealthily, the creatures whistled, screamed, and vocalized towards the men several times. After the invaders faded into the night, Barry and his companions found large bare footprints in the snow and pine. Hmm. For the next year or so, Ron, Alan, and his friends returned to the site with microphones, tape cassette recorders, and a plaster of Paris for foot casts. It seems that, more often than not, the team encountered the supposed Bigfoot. Furthermore, they found the creatures to be incredibly stealthy. Camera traps were evaded easily, and only brief glimpses were ever attained. Luckily, the phantoms overlooked the discreet microphones taped to bush branches and hanging from tree limbs. Over time, the team successfully collected high-quality audio and footprint casts, a treasure trove of Bigfoot evidence. Mm. So, I want to play this... So a little bit about the recordings, though, is I want to just read. So several of the clips of the Sierra sounds can be found across the Internet. So to date, Ron has released two collections and a book about his experiences. So there's two Bigfoot recordings. There's volume one produced in 1996. That is when it was released um, by Alan Berry, who was the investigative reporter brought into the camp. Um, and then Bigfoot Recording Volume 2, which was in 2003, um, and it features more sounds than just the Bigfoot ones. But some things to note, which this is where it, like, really messes me up, is when they bring in professionals to examine the sounds. Mm -hmm. So the Sierra Sounds underwent a year-long evaluation at the University of Wyoming. The researchers determined the origin origin to be primate and that one of the speakers possessed a vocal range and lung capacity much greater than the average humans additionally they ruled out the presence of alteration the tapes had not been sped up or slowed down or even re-recorded they were organic pieces of evidence the unusual growl-like sounds and whistles were studied by dr r lynn curlin a professor of electrical engineering at the university of wyoming it was his opinion that the format frequencies found were clearly lower than for human data and their distribution does not indicate they were the product of human vocalizations and tape speed alteration. Hmm. Wentworth College professor, professor and former U.S. Navy cryptolinguist Scott Nelson determined that the Sierra, Sierra sounds 
feature an actual deliberate language. What? With over 35 years in the field and fluency in four languages, English, Russian, Spanish, and Persian, his expertise led to the realization of more than just grunts and snarls. He believes there are clear clear distinctions tagged on to each of the words. Shut up. Isn't that fucked? And you have to listen to it because it's like burned into my brain, the sounds that these things were making. Oh my God. And I could not imagine being out there and it's so remote and they wanted this like deer hunting whatever lookout camp Mm -hmm. to be so discreet and untouchable or untraceable untraceable by other people that they would literally take a different route to the camp every time and they would get to the point that they would take separate routes to the Mm. camp so that they didn't trudge down the vegetation and make it a clear animal walking path or people walking path right so they made it very clear that, like, nobody would be able to get there, let alone find it, let alone come back multiple times I to do I literally this. have goosebumps. It's, you gotta watch Missing 411 okay. because it's literally wild. That is insane. And wait till you hear the sounds. Because it fucked me up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, Anyways. That is crazy. I think I've talked about Missing 411, like, I have to at watch. least I have 30 to times it. on this podcast. Um, I've watched it alone at least four times. Oh, all right. Well, that's all I got. That's that's all. Okay. Remember, all good stories start with a girl's night. But not everyone gets to see a Bigfoot. At brunch. <laughs>